Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money. From the dog days of summer through the October Classic, Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. To one and all, welcome into the Zuni Tequila Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. It is Greg Peterson coming at you once again with another great podcast. It's Todd Wishnev. You may remember him from the Showtime docuseries Action. He's going to be joining me in the second segment. He's going to talk about what he's seen in baseball recently, some of the in-game opportunities that he's been taking advantage of. So it's going to be great because he's got a little bit more of an in-game pedigree than I do, so we're going to get a little bit of a different perspective there, and he's very sharp when it comes to baseball, so I'm looking forward to that. In the final segment, I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board, and a little something I like to call touch them all. I got him one Twitter question to the Twitter mailbag. I'm not going to play the sound or anything like that. It's a pretty simple one. It's one that I've went over the last couple days. I was asked what the chalkiest bet I've ever made in regards to laying it, and that would be the Floyd White... That would be the Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor fight. I wound up getting minus 400 on that fight. I laid a whole lot more than a unit on it. This is before I was really, I guess you could call it entrenched in betting. I moved into Las Vegas during the summer of 2017. So it was all about the fight. I thought that it was a sure bet. So I essentially cleared my entire checking account to be able to lay it there. Obviously it paid off. I would have done things a little bit differently. I wouldn't have laid as much money on it. Certainly still would have bet it because I saw a whole ton of value, but I would have been a little bit more conservative, but that is the most chalky bet that I've ever made. I've been talking about value a lot the last couple days and when to lay it and when not to. So you can listen back if 
you want a little bit more of a perspective there, but figured I would give you guys an answer on that. And if you ever have Twitter questions that, and if you guys ever have questions that you want answered on the podcast, feel free to tweet them in at GNRSquare1. Please do tweet them into the timeline and do not tweet them into my DMs. My DMs are essentially a place far, far away that cannot be reached. Trust me, if you've ever tried DMing me, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So please tweet those into the timeline. Now it is that time of the podcast in which we take a look back at yesterday's results. We try to find some trends from those results and become better handicappers from it. So who's streaking and who is slumping? It is time for Rakers and Fakers. Mike Clevenger was dealing for the Cleveland Indians as they take down the Detroit Tigers by a count of two to zero. The Detroit Tigers continue to be the worst home team out there in the big leagues, but you got to give them this. They've actually been pitching a little bit better lately. The Detroit Tigers at home have actually been worse than they've been on the road, ironically enough. A 17-46 and 46 home record, but there's just not a lot you can do when Mike Clevenger goes eight innings, giving up four hits and gets 10 strikeouts. This guy, ever since giving up those seven runs to Baltimore in late June, has been absolutely terrific. Brad Hand winds up getting the save in this one, and the difference maker for the Cleveland Indians Francisco Lindor, he was able to get his 25th home run of the year in the third inning. That came off of Daniel Norris, who gave a solid effort in those one. He won three innings. The only thing that he gave up was that sole home run. And from there, you had Drew Verhagen, who was looking like it was going to be the starter for today's game. That apparently is not going to be the case. So in touch of all, you're going to be hearing me break down Drew Verhagen, and he's not going to be going. As he went four innings, he gave up one run. So the bullpen all in all goes six innings, giving up one run. Very solid performance there. But for the Detroit Tigers, this is a team that just continues to not be able to scratch cross runs. They have scored four runs or fewer in 28 out of their last 37 games. Needless to say, that is not good. And for the Cleveland Indians, just a terrific performance for this team as they've been playing some unders recently and they've been doing a very successful job of it. The Oakland A's have been getting a little bit more overwhelming as the bullpen has been laying them down, but they were able to do just enough to get a 9-8 win over the Kansas City Royals. If you, like me, had the A's on the run line, this was a little bit tough, but Drexel Profar was able to go deep in this one. His 17th of the year, that was off of Glenn Sparkman. Glenn Sparkman for the year has been a pretty decent home pitcher and awful on the road. In this one, he was just awful at home. Four and a third innings. He gives up seven runs, all of which were earned, including that home run. I will say the Royals' bullpen from there was pretty good. They give up two runs, one of which were earned in four and two-thirds innings. This is a bullpen that has been hot and cold, but they seem to be picking it up once again. And for the Royals, the offense is coming alive. They've scored 14 runs over their last two games, and Jorge Soler winds up getting his 37th home run of the year. That was off of Chris Bassett, who didn't have his best stuff in this one either. Four and two-thirds innings. He gives up five runs, only three of which were earned. He was hurt by Chad Pinder error. And the A's bullpen winds up giving up three runs, all of which were earned in four and a third inning. So that costs you your run line right there. And for the Oakland A's, this is a team that just continues to match lefties as they're in the top seven in the big leagues with regards batting average and runs per game whenever they face off against lefties. Another team that is mashing is the Minnesota Twins as they take down the Chicago White Sox by a count of 10 to 5. The Minnesota Twins, by the way, on August 29th, have now set the Major League record for most home runs on the road for a season with 141. And this one, they got a trio of them as Dylan Cease. Well, he ceased to exist in this one. Two innings pitch, gave up eight runs, all of which were including two of those home runs. White Sox bullpen once again was solid. They go seven innings, they give up two runs. They shouldn't have been put in that spot, but Dylan Cease just continues to be a complete joke of a pitcher. You've got to be fading him until further notice. And for the Minnesota Twins, it wasn't necessarily the traditional guys that got the home runs. C.J. Crone is 22nd. He's been solid, but Jake Cave, his 6th and 7th of the campaign, he's been looking good lately. And Jose Barrios has been doing a better job of pitching on the road this year than in the past. He goes six innings, he gives up three runs, all of which were earned. You had the bullpen from there wind up going a grand total of three innings. Two runs were given up, but both were unearned runs as B. 
being able to deliver all three of those innings out of the bullpen for the Twins was Randy Dobnik. I've never heard of him before in my life, but needless to say, he should be able to help out the team. Also be aware, Jorge Polanco now has 19 errors on the year for the Minnesota Twins. That's a little bit high, but all in all, this is a Twins team that is really starting to play some overs as... 12 out of their last 16 games have gone over the total, and it's very common for the Twins to have double-digit totals, so be on red alert there. The Tampa Bay Rays were able to get a win over the Houston Astros by a count of 9-8. Astros' offense was certainly on point in this one. In 11 out of their last 12 games, they've scored 4-plus runs. The only exception was when they were that massive favorite against the Detroit Tigers and lost, and Zach Greinke was a little bit lost in this game. Five and two-thirds innings, he gives up five runs, all of which were earned, including two home runs. Bullpen didn't fare any better. Three and a third innings, they wind up giving up four runs, all of which were earned. But the Houston Astros, well, they were able to get some power in this one. George Springer and Jose Altuve both go deep. For Altuve, his 25th home run of the year. You also had George Springer going yard. That was his 28th. And then a little bit of unexpected power as Abraham Toro winds up getting his first home run of the year. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, things didn't necessarily go as planned for Trevor Richards. He was supposed to be the bulk guy, but he only made it two and a third innings in this one, giving up two runs, one of which were earned. Andrew Kittrich, as the opener, gave up a run. And then from there, you had the bullpen essentially having to go five and a third innings. They gave up four runs, all of which were earned. This was a hit parade. But for the Tampa Bay Rays, in that hit parade was Travis Day Arnaud being able to go yard his 24th home run of the year as he had four RBI in this one. And Austin Meadows also took Zach Greinke deep. That was his 24th of the year as the Tampa Bay Rays needed this one to be able to stay in contention in the AL wild card, and they certainly were able to do that. The New York Mets have now lost five straight games as this is a team that is currently scuffling as the Cubs get their first road sweep since I think Truman was president. I know that that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but at the very least, it was ever since May that they got a sweep on the road as they take down the Mets by a count of 4-1. to If you've bet $100 on every one of Jacob DeGrom's starts so far this year, you're down over $1,100. He's one of the least profitable pitchers out there in the big leagues. And this one, it was the first time they gave up more than two earned runs in quite a while, and I think just the second time since the beginning of the month of May as he goes seven innings, giving up four runs, all of which were earned. And I can't remember the last time he's had one player take him deep twice in a game, but that was done by Victor Carantini, his eighth and ninth of the campaign as John Lester, a guy that had been absolutely putrid the last month. I think he had an ERA north of nine in his last six starts. He gives up one run in six innings in the bullpen of the Cubs from there, which I keep telling you guys is underrated. They've got a top-down bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. We always talk about the ball and saves, but all in all, this has been a decent group. They don't give up a single hit over the course of three innings. So for the Mets, well, Ryan Dry with regards to offense. Their only form of offense, J.D. Davis, his 18th home run of the year. You take a look at what the Mets have done. They were able to get that seventh spot on Wednesday, but past that, they have now scored four runs or fewer in 11 out of their last 17 games, This, despite the fact that they've now got Jeff McNeil back in the lineup. And for the Cubs, they have now won five straight games on the road. That is a season best for them. The Miami Marlins have been playing over 60% of their home games to the over, but despite the fact that they got four home runs in this game, they weren't able to push the total over, but they were able to get a 4-3 walk-off win. For the Cincinnati Reds, Aristide Sacchino was the entire offense of the team. He got his 14th home run of the year in the first inning. He got an RBI to extend the game and pass that. The team gave him absolutely nothing as the Reds wind up leaving six men on base. And the Reds got a pretty solid pitching performance out of Alex Wood. He goes six innings, giving up three runs. Bullpen from there, which has been in the bottom seven of the big leagues ever since the All-Star break with regards to ERA. They go a combined five innings, giving up one run as Rossiel Iglesias winds up giving up the walk-off home run to Harold Ramirez. For Ramirez, that is his eighth home run of the year. And then the other home runs came off the bat of Austin Dean, John Birdie, and... 
Sterling Castro. For Castro's 14th, Birdie is 6th, and Austin Dean is 5th as Robert Duggar, a guy who entered into this game with an ERA AAA of a 7-5, and then at the major league level in one start, he had given up 6 runs in 5 innings. He goes 7 innings. The 2-run homer that he gave up to Aquino were unearned because he was hurt by an error. And then from there, the Marlins bullpen, which has been awful all year long, goes 5 innings, giving up just 1 run in the process. So they certainly did their job. And for the Cincinnati Reds, this has been a very uneven team. And are now just 26-39 and 39 on the road. A team that has been doing very well on the road, but not so much at home. The San Francisco Giants, and that wound up being the case once again on Thursday as the San Diego Padres get a 5-3 win over the San Francisco Giants. Heading into this game, Derek Rodriguez had an ERA north of a 5-5 at home, and his home struggles continue. He goes five innings, giving up five runs, all of which were earned, including two dingers. Going deep for the San Diego Padres, Austin Edges is 11th home run of the year, and Manuel Margot is 11th. Giants bullpen from there, which has been not so good over the last two, two and a half weeks. They go four innings of hitless baseball, so they certainly did their job. And for the San Francisco Giants, Brian Belt was able to get a home run off of Chris Paddock. That was his 15th of the year. Before the Padres, they got a terrific start out of Paddock. He gives up one run over the course of seven innings. This is a guy that had given up three earned runs or more in every one of his starts in the month of August heading in. And then the bullpen from there for the Padres, which I feel like has a positive regression coming in. Wasn't necessarily great. They give up two runs in two innings, so if you had the under in this one, you wound up pushing as a result, but all in all, the Padres are able to get a nice win over the Giants who continue to just be a team that you don't want to bet on when they are at home. For some reason, they have a losing record at home and on the road, they have a winning record. And keep in mind, the Giants at home averaging right around 3.3 runs per game. On the road, it's more like 5.4. It is a very interesting split. The Seattle Mariners have some splits that are pretty equal home to road as they've been losing in both places, but the Texas Rangers, a team that has been very good at home so far this year. They wind up falling to the Seattle Mariners by a count of 5-3. to three. And for the Texas Rangers, this is a team that now has a home record of 38-28. and 28. But in this one, Lance Lynn, a guy that has been giving up not much of anything, once again had a pretty good start in this one. He goes six innings. He did give up three runs, but only one of which were earned. He was hurt by a pair of errors out there in the field. And the Texas Rangers bullpen continues to be woeful, giving up two runs over the course of three innings. For the Seattle Mariners, just a lot of small ball in this one. They left 10 men on base. They weren't necessarily sharp there, but field Felix Hernandez. Actually, a decent start. Ever since coming off the injured list, he has given up just five total runs over his two starts. In this one, he goes five strong, giving up those three runs. And then the Seattle Mariners bullpen has actually been among the top ten in the big leagues with regards to ERA in the month of August as they go four strong, not allowing a single run for the Texas Rangers. This is a team that has played just six overs in the month of August, and I believe they are now at 16 unders. So they have been very much an under team as their biggest form of offense in this one, a Willie Calhoun home run his 16th of the campaign the Pittsburgh Pirates have not been playing so many overs on the road but this total 14 and a half that was set at Coors Field a stadium that in its last 14 games had seen 12 totals either push or go under went way over as the Pittsburgh Pirates get an 11-8 win for the Buccos you had a bunch of home runs hitting this one Kevin Newman had a pair of them his eighth and ninth of the campaign and then Jose Ozuna gets his ninth for the Colorado Rockies they were able to get a home run off the bat of Sam Hilliard, his second of the campaign, but the Rockies were just able to hit with men in scoring position, five of eight there, but Chichi Gonzalez wound up just burying the Colorado Rockies in this one. He gets two outs, and he gives up seven runs, all of which were earned. 
Needless to say, that's not going to get the job done as you needed eight and a third innings from the Colorado Rockies bullpen. They give up four runs, all of which were earned in that time. This is a Rockies team that has had the worst bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break. The Pittsburgh Pirates have not been too far behind them, and they nearly lit this game on fire. Trevor Williams, a pretty decent start. Seven innings pitch, he gives up three runs, all of which were earned for Coors Field. That's pretty darn good. And then from there, the Pirates bullpen gives up five runs in two innings, but they were able to survive and advance and get this win as the Pirates have now won six out of their last nine games. Game. So they're doing a little bit better. And to wrap things up, the LA Dodgers are just not getting much out of Hunjin Ryu anymore. As for the third straight game, he had a terrible start as the Arizona Diamondbacks get an 11-5 win over the Dodgers. For Hunjin Ryu, four and two-thirds innings, he gives up seven runs, all of which were earned. This was a man that had an ERA about three starts ago, hovering right around a 1-6. That's all the way up to a 2-3-5 as it entered tonight with a 2. And the bullpen didn't do him any favors either. They wind up going three and a third innings, giving up Four runs, all of which were earned for the Dodgers. They were able to get a little bit of offense themselves in this one. Justin Turner down for what had three RBI and a home run. His 25th of the year, he's really heating up as for the years in the Diamondbacks. Merrill Kelly winds up only giving up three earned runs. That was actually better than a lot of his other starts as in five out of his last six entering in this one, he had given up four plus, but he only made a four innings. From there, the Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen, which has been pretty woeful, goes five innings, giving up two runs, so they did their job there. And Eduardo Escobar just continues to be able to rip the cover off the ball. Now has 106 RBI. He got his 30th home run of the year in this one, and this is for an Arizona Diamondbacks team that has been very good as an underdog on the run line. 49-27. and 27. They seem to do a very good job of playing against the LA Dodgers as well as in 10 out of their last 15 games, they have at the very least covered the run line, and now at home, they are 30 and 32, so you want to note that they're actually a better road team than a home team, but with that said, they were able to get the job done in this one. So, what did we all learn from Major League Baseball on Thursday? The Detroit Tigers are getting some good pitching, but the offense still is not there. Meanwhile, Mike Clevenger continues to be great, and Cleveland Indians continue to have the top bullpen area out there in the big leagues. The Oakland A's are not getting a whole lot of bullpen pitching, but the offense is currently firing all cylinders. The Minnesota Twins have a historically good home run hitting team on the road. Meanwhile, Dylan Cease should cease to exist for the Chicago White Sox. The Tampa Bay Rays are starting to get a little bit of offense, but the Houston Astros continue to be putting up a lot of runs themselves. But with that said, the pitching, a little bit of an issue for them. The Chicago Cubs are all of a sudden playing well at home. Meanwhile, the New York Mets have really fallen on some tough times and Jacob DeGrom continues to not be profitable. The Cincinnati Reds, very much a herky-jerky team to bet on on the road. Meanwhile, the Miami Marlins starting to get a little bit of power as they entered into Thursday averaging right around .85 home runs per game. The Texas Rangers have been a solid team at home, but they're just not generating a lot of runs as they've been one of the top under teams out there in baseball in the month of August. Coors Field has been seeing a lot of unders lately, but when Chichi Gonzalez takes them out for the Colorado Rockies, you want absolutely no part of that. The Arizona Diamondbacks are continuing to play well against the Los Angeles Dodgers, and it seems as though Hunjin Ryu has come back to earth. And for the San Francisco Giants, they're just not the same offense at home as they are on the road. So that is what we all learned from Major League Baseball on Thursday. Now let's turn the page forward to Friday. Friday. Let's preview some of these games and let's try and get some good in-game angles from Todd Wishnev. That is up next right here on MLB Overtime Event. Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline. Back here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you from the Zuni Tequila Studios out here in lovely Las Vegas. It is great to have on our next guest. You may know this man from the docu-series Action. 
and you've probably seen him a whole bunch on the Vegas Sets and Information Network. This is one of America's most prolific live bettors and just one of America's bestest people as well. To use a word that does not exist in bestest, it is Todd Wishnev. You can follow him on Twitter, at Wishnev. He's not just winning in regards to baseball, but he's always winning the blood sugar battle as well. I believe he's 53-0-16 in his last 69, so he's been doing very well. And Todd, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. That's great. And a team that has been doing quite all right recently is Washington Nationals. I know that you're a guy that you've got some ties to the East Coast. I know that the Pittsburgh Pirates are really your team. And, well, things have not really been going well for them ever since the All-Star break, but things have been going a little bit better for the Washington Nationals. They've obviously got a little bit of a banged-up rotation. But taking a look at what's going to be transpiring on Friday, it's going to be Anibal Sanchez against Eliezer Hernandez for the Miami Marlins. Right now, we're seeing the Marlins open up as a plus 260 underdog at William Hill. Is this a Washington Nationals team that you continue to look to back, or do you find a lot of value in these underdogs? Because we've been noticing a lot lately that there have been a bunch of big underdogs out there in baseball, case in point, Astros versus Tigers a few weeks ago. Yeah, the numbers are getting just staggering as far as the minus 260s and 340s and 420s and even as high as 600 a week or two ago with Verlander. Was that the Verlander game? Was it 600 or something? Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, the numbers are getting way up there. I think you have to pick your spots. And if you're going to take a shot at, at with these dogs, you got to really pick your spots on who you do it with. I don't want to do it against the Nats in this particular game. Hannibal Sanchez has been really reliable. I would call him. He gives you a good start almost every time. The Nats bats are very solid. Not exactly one I'd be looking to play. Although Miami, you know, they're a team that's, they don't quit. You know, they're not like one of these dead teams that just can't hit at all. Miami doesn't hit, but they're, uh, what's the word I'm looking for there? They don't, they don't quit and they're kind of, um, scrappy. Scrappy. That's what I'm looking for. That's the word I'm looking for. So, you know, you might want to look at them. When they're going against the left-handers, sometimes they tend to hit lefties better. You know, I wouldn't want them in this range, though. Oh, absolutely. I cannot blame you there. And what have been some of the teams that you have been looking to back a little bit more? I take it probably not your Pittsburgh Pirates so much. They have been on a little bit of a dry spell recently ever since the All-Star break. Things have not been going well there. But I know that these lines are getting a little bit out of control. And I know that you're a guy that you always try to find the value, whether that be pre-flop or in-game. Well, when you talk about the Pirates, they had that run there where they were hitting the cover off the ball before the All-Star break. Josh Bell was going crazy. All the rest of the guys were hitting. And they were just a great over team for me because the Pirates' bullpen is not good. The pitching tends to be not good. And when they can hit, you've got everything you want in an over team, a team that's going to get your runs and going to give up runs. So then the Pirates went into that lull for about 30, 40 days after the All-Star break where they couldn't hit at all. But it seems like in the Philly series, they started to come out of it a little bit. So I would start to look for Pittsburgh Pirate overs. I actually did hit them on the first game of the Philly series and that one that went to extra innings because the bullpens blew up. That's what I would be looking for with Pittsburgh. I agree with you, as we do have Todd Wishnev joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Does terrific work. You can catch him all the time on the Vegas Sets and Information Network. And he is joining me right now. And Todd... What has been really an angle that you've been looking at with regards to totals as well? Because as we know, the totals started out a little bit smaller towards the beginning of the year with the juice ball. They've been climbing up, but unders have been making a little bit of a return as well. 
I feel like the unders are starting to become a little bit more profitable. I don't know what you've been looking at with regards to totals, but I've been playing a few more unders recently, and it's been going, at the very least, a tad better. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just about the teams. Like, for example, you know, Houston Astros were in a little lull hitting-wise, and then I had the over on, I believe it was Sunday, they had a 7 or an 8th to go over, and that kind of unleashed the hitting this week, and they went over with them in the kittredge Renke game. Just because the Astros, when they start hitting, it's very difficult to hold them under 6 and 7 runs, and, you know, you're probably going to see a lot of overs when that happens. Going into that Tampa Bay Rays game versus Houston Astros game on Thursday, I believe that the Astros had scored four runs or more in 10 out of their last 11 games, making 11 out of their last 12. So I am right there with you. And we have been noticing that things have been very streaky. You notice it with the Chicago White Sox. They were very good about two weeks ago. I was being able to cash as an underdog. Then in the series against the Minnesota Twins, they come back to earth. The New York Mets coming out of the trading deadline were absolutely great. Now they're starting to go on a slide. The Chicago Cubs are starting to win some games on the road. How have you been really gauging these streaks? Because I know that if you jump on them at the right time, they can be highly profitable. And if you decide to back them at the wrong time or you just keep betting a team that's on a bad streak, well, things aren't going so well. Yeah, well, like a, a great thing to look at is like the Texas Rangers. They were knocking the cover off the ball. Now, if you look at their lineup, it looks like a mash unit. You know, there's just all kinds of horrible hitters in that lineup right now and you're seeing you know them not scoring runs consequently so you just have to really be up on your teams and seeing what's happening lately because you know you can have teams that a month or two ago were one thing and now they're a completely different animal you know based on who's injured who's not injured and and stuff like that also who they're playing and i'm sure in september when you have the september call-ups it's going to be you know even more variability so like you said you got to just stay on top of it and know who's playing who's not playing you know, also who's hot, like you said, like the Mets, boy, terrible last couple of days against the Cubs. They're literally playing themselves right out of this wild card. And if they don't win tonight, it could be lights out for the Mets. But, you know, like you said, teams get hot. Another team like the Angels had a little run there a couple months ago, a month or two ago. And then in the last month, it's just been horrible. And you see it's it's mostly because of guys like Justin Upton who can't hit anymore. Who holds is like an automatic double play. There's answers as to why this is happening in the lineup if you're paying attention. Totally agree with you, Todd. As it is Todd Wishnev joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Prolific in-game better from the Showtime docuseries action. And just an all-around good guy joining me right here on the podcast. And are there a couple teams that you just really had a tough time grasping so far this year because... I know you're a guy that you look for in-game angles and everything like that. And ironically enough, the one team that I really had a tough time just gauging for on a day-to-day basis is the Milwaukee Brewers. Every time you think that this team is going to come up big and they're going to finally get on that run, they look absolutely putrid. And every single time you think that their season is over, they come out there and they get a win over like Jack Flaherty or something like that. I don't know if there have been any teams that have really been a bugaboo for you, but my team has been the Milwaukee Brewers. And that's, by the way, my favorite team. Yeah, they're consistently inconsistent. That's what the Milwaukee Brewers are. They did beat me with Flaherty the other day. I thought Flaherty would have the best of them. And of course, like you said, they come up with a win. Uh, Milwaukee, what a weird team. Earlier in the year, they were the lights-out bullpen. That's how they were winning. And then the bullpen fell apart, and now maybe it's coming back a little bit. The other day against Flaherty, they pitched well. But, you know, like I said, incredibly inconsistent team. So, you know, with the inconsistent teams, you know, it's very difficult. 
there are other teams like the Diamondbacks. I don't really have a good feel for the Diamondbacks. Like you said, certain teams you just can't, you know, wrap your head around. And I tend to just avoid those kind of teams if I don't really feel I have a understanding of them. You know, I'll just steer clear. There's plenty of other stuff to bet. You don't have to force a bet on a team that you don't really feel real good about. But, you know, it's like when the San Francisco Giants had that little run there where they were hitting and winning some games, I was like, well, that's going to come back to earth because, you know, they just can't hit enough. So, you know, teams will have little runs or Toronto Blue Jays maybe a couple weeks ago had a little run. They just don't have enough bats to sustain it. And they're going to fall back to earth. Cincinnati Reds are going through a little hitting streak right now. It's not going to last. They just don't have enough bats in that lineup. I do have to agree with you. And I think that it's interesting because I've actually had some success betting the Arizona Diamondbacks so far this year. But it's one of those things where I'm sure that there are other there are other people that are having a lot of success betting slash fading on the Milwaukee Brewers, too. It's just about the way that you handicap how you gauge these teams on a day in and day out basis. And I know you're a guy that you like the Pittsburgh Pirates and everything like that. They're going to be taking on the Colorado Rockies on Friday. And I'm seeing a total of 14 on this game. Antonio Senzatello has been an awful pitcher for the Colorado Rockies. Dario Agrazo for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Well, let's face it, he had a couple good starts to begin the year. He's come back to earth ever since then. But I'm seeing a total of 14 out of the last 14 games that have been played at Coors Field going into Thursday evening. 12 of them had either been a push or under the total. I just don't see how you could take this total over. I know that at Coors Field earlier this year, the overs were really cashing, but... You need 14 runs here just to push, and I just don't see it with these two teams the way that they're playing right now. It is hard to get the 14. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. The only thing to keep in mind, I'm sure, and as you know, Agrizal had those couple of good starts, but it was really a mirage. If you look at his advanced numbers, he has an XFIP of 638. He only strikes out 4.59 guys per nine innings, which is just an anemic number. And what ballpark do you most need to strike out, guys, in order to keep the runs down? Rockies course field, because if the ball gets in play, there's just too much outfield to cover for teams. I don't know what's going to happen, obviously, in that particular game, but I'd be scared to take it under as well because, you know, Senzatello hasn't been anything good either. So if you make a lot of contact in that ballpark, who knows what can happen? That's kind of just a stay away for me. I, I do not like betting Rockies game in general. Yeah, the Rockies have been, like you said, consistently inconsistent. And another guy that doesn't strike a whole lot of guys out, but has actually had some success this year, Brett Anderson, is going to be on the road with the Oakland A's facing off against the New York Yankees. I think the A's are a very interesting team as well in their series against the Kansas City Royals. They wind up being able to get the sweep, but in each of the last two games, they wind up not being able to cover the run line. This is an Oakland A's team that traditionally has had a very good bullpen, but recently it's not been so good. And I think it's just really important for people to be paying attention to these bullpens because the reputation around like the Reds, the Oakland A's seems like this is that, oh, their bullpen is great. When in reality, it's something that as of right now, at least in the recent form, I want no yeah, part well, of. They found Liam Hendricks at the back end to, to start closing games. So that's helped a little bit. But last year's lights out pairing of Trevino to Trinan has not been good enough. And they have Soria in there who makes you scared. There's a lot of guys in the back end now. This year, Trevino's not getting anybody out. Petit sometimes is good, sometimes not. Trinan, like I said, had trouble. But this is an interesting game that you bring up because Oakland crushes left-handed pitching. As I'm sure you know, 
they're definitely in the top three against left-handed pitching because they have all those right-handed bats. And if there's anything that New York Yankees CC Sabathia is nowadays, it's mediocre. So I could see with that short right field porch, the, the Oakland A's in Yankee Stadium scoring a lot of runs. And of course, how do you stop the Yankees bats? Almost no one's done that all year. Brett Anderson, a guy who's crafty and somehow gives you good games once in a while, he could have some trouble too. Not to mention, the, like you said before, the Oakland bullpen that, as we were talking before, Trinan and Trevino last year were fantastic, and that hasn't been the case this year. So the 11 over under there, I would only consider the over, and I would make a strong consideration for that over because I can see both teams hitting in this in that ball game. We do have Todd Wishav joining me right here on the podcast, and is there anything else that's really standing out to you on Friday? Because I do think that we have some pretty good action. You got the Mets versus the Philadelphia Phillies with Aaron Nola going on the mound. The Phillies seem to be finding a little bit of new life with Charlie Manuel now as the hitting coach of this team. I think it's going to be really interesting to see if Ivan Nova can continue his good pitching for the Chicago White Sox, who are going a little bit cold with the bat. But with that said, Ivan Nova recently has been good. And then the Reds versus St. Louis Cardinals game stands out to me as well. As Dakota Hudson has just been magnificent for the Cards as they have went 15-3 and in his last 18 starts. Yeah, you know, that might be not a bad choice on one of those under-first fives, Dakota Hudson, Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer is such an inconsistent pitcher. He either gives up nine or he gives up zero. Um, and if he has a good day against the Cardinals, who are not exactly, even though during their little run here, they've been hitting the ball, but most of the year they've been extremely inconsistent with the bats. And the Reds, we've already talked about how inconsistent they are. That might be a nice little first five under I might be looking at. Oh, absolutely. And Todd, I would like to close it up with this. Let the good people know where they can find you on social media and just hear a little bit more about what you're doing because I know that you're on the Vegas Ads and Information Network with, with Gil Alexander. You're always posting out your food updates and you're posting out the in-game plays that you're doing and everything like that. At TWishNev is the Twitter handle for you. Anything else you'd like the people to know about? No, if they want to follow me on Twitter, as you were mentioning, I, I put my food updates, my battle with diabetes every day up on the Twitter. And some people seem to like that. And then I try to remember to put up my picks. I don't always get them up. Like, for instance, I forgot to put up the Astros winner on the over. But I try to get them up. Over the weekend, I had two in-game college footballs that were both in-game winners. So that was nice. And you'll see a lot, of, hopefully, if I remember to put them up, in-game football stuff. Because I'll be all over the in-game tonight and tomorrow night. Because I just love college football. In-gaming is just fun. Tonight, you're going to have, you know, five games on television that I'm sure are all going to be on in-game, you know, availability. And then tomorrow night, there's a whole bunch of games. So it should be quite interesting. Oh, I agree with you. It is one of the best times of year for sports betting. And one of the best people to follow for sports betting is Todd Wishnev. So big thanks to him for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Now it is that time. Coming up next, I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board. And we do so in a little something I like to call Hutch em All. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. And a big thanks to Todd Wishnev for joining me in the last segment as we are back here 
in the Azuni to Kilo Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. Now it is that time that I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board. And we do so on a little something I like to call Touch of Mall. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Note that any changes that are made to these plays are going to be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNRSCORD1. With some of these plays, they are all locked in, good to go, bet on, everything like that. With some of these plays, they're in wait and see mode, waiting on some line changes, lineup moves. We got a lot of games in the back half of the slate that are off the board, so obviously... Don't have any set bets there since it's hard to bet a game without a line. And for all of that, any changes, everything like that, everything I lock in, at GNRSCORD1 is the hub for that. And as we go along, I'll be letting you guys know what's all locked in and what's all pending. And as per usual, going in Las Vegas rotation order. And that starts with 9:51, 9:52 on the bang rotation. The Chicago Cubs play also the Milwaukee Brewers. Chase Anderson goes for the Brew Crew. Jose Quintana for the Chicago Cubs. This is a game that is going to be played at Wrigley Field. So for that reason, this game presently off the board. But if you are looking at the Chicago Cubs, laying between minus 144 and minus 145 across the board, plus ways with the Brewers anywhere between plus 130 and plus 135. I will say this, ever since the beginning of the month of July, Chase Anderson has been very good for the Milwaukee Brewers. He has given up more than three earned runs, just one of his starts, so he's been solid there. Now, the one start in which he gave up more than three earned runs, he was left out there too long just because the Brewers needed depth, but he gave up 10 runs against Washington Nationals at Balloon to ZRA. Meanwhile, Mr. Kitana, up until I started, he was doing a terrific job in the month of August. Then he also goes up against the Nationals, giving up four runs in four innings. That was a game in which the Cubs got destroyed in at home. But other than that, he has given up outside that start a combined four earned runs in four starts in the month of August. This after he was going seemingly six innings, giving up three runs in just about all of his starts. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, Chase Anderson, his one kryptonite is the fact that he doesn't give a lot of length. He's going to be giving you right around five, maybe five and a third innings in this one. Not really a whole heck of a lot more. For the Milwaukee Brewers, this is a team that has not been getting a whole lot of offense outside of Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich, absolutely magnificent for this team. 330 batting average, 41 home runs, 90 RBI. He has over 20 stolen bases. He's been absolutely magnificent. I will say Yasmani Grandel seems to be coming through a little bit with regards to his average as you've got a lot of guys on this team that are hitting between a 250 and a 260. Eric Thames, Lorenzo Cain, Corey Spangenberg, Yasmani Grandel, I mentioned a little bit earlier. They're all hitting in that neighborhood and then you've got Trent Grisham and Ben Gamble in the outfield, both hitting right around a 250. And you've got Mike Moussakis is currently injured. He's hitting right around a 260 himself. He's got 31 home runs. He's been missing the last couple days, though. You do want to note that Eric Thames has been doing a decent job of hitting home runs. And you got to give Kesson Hero some credit. He's hitting above 300, getting home run every, I would say, 15 or so at bats. And Ryan Braun is hitting a 290. But then you take a look on the flip side for the Chicago Cubs. They're getting some great production from Nick Castellanos. Ever since he's come over with the Chicago Cubs, he's been doing a great job towards the top lineup for the year. He's hitting right around a 290, and that whole middle of the Cubs lineup is hitting between a 280 and a 290. You've got Anthony Rizzo has been missing the last couple days, but he, along with Cassianos, Chris Bryant, and Javi Baez, all hitting between a 280 and I would say 295 for the year. In the case of Brian Tobias, they both have between 26 and 29 home runs. Anthony Rizzo is one deep right around 25 times in. This team's leader in home runs was out yesterday as well. And Kyle Schwarber, he's got 30 of them. Now the batting average leaves a little bit of something to be desired. He's hitting right around a 225. Tony Kemp also needs to pick it up. He's hitting a 215 for the year between his time with the Cubs and the Astros. But then you got Jonathan Lucroy and Addison Russell, two guys hitting between a 245 and a 250. They've been okay for this bunch. And Jason Award dipping a little bit with his average. I'm 
base percentage, still hovering right around 350, but he's now hitting a 260, so there have been a couple chinks in the armor there. This is a game in which I'm probably going to be looking at an under. If the wind's blowing out, obviously it's going to be a higher total, and both these guys do a very good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. Jose Quintana giving up about 1.1 home runs per nine innings. Jace Anderson, not so much. He's been giving up right around 1.5-ish home runs per nine innings, but a lot of that was in that blow-up start against Washington Nationals, so those numbers are inflated a little bit, and both these guys do a decent job of being able to keep the game out in front of them with not giving a whole bunch of blocks. Once again, Chase Anderson giving out right around 3.1-ish per nine innings. Jose Quintana a little bit below that. I think that this is going to be a lower-scoring game, but it comes win. So for that reason, could be looking at the Chicago Cubs here. I've yet to lock it in because I'm trying to determine whether to go money line or run line. The Cubs have been winning a lot of one-run games and going to be looking at an under most likely when the total is released. But as always, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRS41 once we have a set line. 953-954 on the bank rotation. The Philadelphia Phillies play us in New York Mets. Zach Wheeler will be dealing for the Mets. Meanwhile, Aaron Supernola for the Philadelphia Phillies. Draw on this game's 8.5 over and under, both at minus 110. If you're looking at the Phillies, laying anywhere between minus 132 and minus 137. Plus price with the Metropolitans between plus 122 and plus 127. This is a Mets team that has really fallen on some tough times. Going into yesterday, they were riding a little bit of a losing streak. And with Aaron Nola, he has been very good over the course of his last 14 starts. Has an ERA right around 8.225 in that time. He's had a couple ups and downs in the month of August, giving up three runs in two of his starts. But all in all, has been solid, especially with the fact that he's given this team seven innings in just about every start. And both these bullpens have been revamped. The New York Reds had the third worst bullpen ERA in the big leagues entering into the All-Star break ever since then. It's been right around the top six. Meanwhile, the Philadelphia Phillies were in the bottom half of the league with regards to bullpen ERA entering the break as well. And they've been revamped. A guy that's up and we've revamped is Zach Wheeler. He had two great starts begin the month of August. He combined 15 innings in them, giving up zero runs. And ever since then, he has went a combined 16 innings in his last three starts. And in those starts, he's given up 12 runs, all of which were earned. And in those starts, he's also got a combined seven strikeouts. Wheels are starting to fall off for Mr. Wheeler, I guess you could say, as he hasn't necessarily given up too many home runs so far this year. Aaron Nola has given up right around 1.4 home runs. Zach Wheeler a little bit under that, but with the Philadelphia Phillies, this is a team that's really starting to fire on all cylinders with regards to their offense, with Charlie Manuel being at the helm. Reese Hoskins and Bryce Harper are both having an on-base percentage above a 370, which is nice. I will say this, though. Hoskins has not really been hitting a lot of home runs since the break. He also is only hitting a 235, but for Bryce Harper, he seems to be Finding his own 255 batting average, 27 home runs. You have to like the fact that you've got a lot of guys hitting between, I would say, a 275 and a 285 as well. Logan Morrison, Gene Segura, Scott Kingery, Cesar Hernandez, JT Rebuto on that neighborhood, and Corey Dickerson is also hitting a 300 as well, which has been helping out this team. Then you got the guys like Austin Knapp, Roman Quinn, and company that are not doing a whole lot with their offense, but all in all, this is a team that seems to be doing a little bit better. Then you take a look at the flip side for the New York Mets. Pete Alonso has just been absolutely insane for this team. He's got 42 home runs, over 100 RBI, batting average right around a 265. He's been great. Michael Conforto, 27 home runs. His batting average more around a 255. And then you've got Wilson Ramos and Amid Rosario. Both hitting above a 285 for this team. Jeff McNeil's on base percentage is hovering right around a 400, and his batting average is just above a 330. Meanwhile, JD Davis also hitting above a 300 to be able to help out this bunch. Need a little bit more out of guys like Juan Lagares and Todd Frazier. Both these guys are hitting below a 230, but 
you do have to like what you're seeing on the New York Mets all in all, but I do think that Aaron Nola going to be able to give a tremendous start here for the Philadelphia Phillies. I think that he's going to be able to keep the Mets at bay. The Mets have been struggling a little bit with their offense in some days, and then you got other days where they're lighting up Kyle Hendricks. They've been a little bit inconsistent with that, and I do think that this is also going to be a decent pitching performance from Zach Wheeler. I think he's going to be able to get up off the mat. I think the Phillies pull this one out in a lower scoring game. Going to be taking the Philadelphia Phillies here on the under. Noticing a little bit of money coming in on the Philadelphia Phillies, so I'm probably going to wind up locking in this number relatively soon. Meanwhile, with the to the under, just looking to see if I'm able to get any break with the juice whatsoever. 9.55, 9.56 on the betting rotation. You've got the Miami Marlins in the road face off against the Washington Nationals. Audible Sanchez goes for the Nationals. Eliezer Hernandez goes for the Miami Marlins. Your total on this game is 9. The over is just anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 105. If you're looking at the fish, you are going to be getting a big plus price. Anywhere between plus 210 and plus 220. Meanwhile, if you want to lay it here with the Washington Nationals, that's anywhere between minus 240 and minus 260. And I'm going to be all aboard the fish in this spot. Eliezer Hernandez certainly has been an up-and-down pitcher, but you take a look at Anibal Sanchez. Ever since the beginning of the month of May, he has been a significantly better pitcher. He's got an ERA hovering right around 8-2-8 in his last start against the Chicago Cubs. He was very good, but this is not a guy that's really going to be striking out a whole lot of gentlemen. He's got right around 7.5 strikeouts per 9 innings, and with Eliezer Hernandez... In the month of August, he's turned some gems. He's given up five earned runs or more in two of his starts, but in the other three starts, he winds up giving up a combined three runs against the Atlanta Braves twice and the Philadelphia Phillies. So this is a guy that's capable of cashing some plus money tickets against some very prolific offenses. And believe me, the Washington Nationals are very prolific as they are led by Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto, a pair of guys that have an on-base percentage that's hovering right around at 400. Both these guys have between 28 and 29 home runs as well. And then with this lineup, got quite a few guys are in between, I would say, 235 and a 251. Brian Dozier, Victor Robles, Matt Adams, and Gerardo Parra are all in that neighborhood. And then you got Adam Eaton and Trey Turner, both in between a 288 and a 298 at the top of the lineup. Both these guys have some great speed as well as Ruba Cabrera, hitting nearly a 350 since he's come over to the Nationals for the year, sitting a little bit above a 240, but he's been a little bit of a nice shot in the arm. And Howie Kendrick is being used essentially as a pinch hitter. He's at least back in the fold. He's hitting nearly a 330. Then you take a look at the flip side for the Miami Marlins. Not having Brett Anderson certainly has hurt this team. He is the team's leader with regards to home runs with 20. He's been hitting right around a 260, but at the very least, the Marlins are showing a little bit of a sign of life with regards to their batting average. You've got Brian Holiday hitting nearly a 300 for this team. Then you've got a whole bevy of guys hitting between, I would say, a 265 and a 278. Garrett Cooper, John Birdie, Jorge Alfaro, and Harold Ramirez are all in that neighborhood. Sterling so Castro hitting a 260 himself. He really doesn't draw any walks, but then need to be a kid up with a couple of these guys. That's Curtis Granderson, Austin Dean. Yadiel Rivera, Luis Brinson, and Izan Diaz are all hitting below a 210, so that has not necessarily been great for the team. But with regards to the Miami Marlins, they were able to get a better than expected start out of Robert Duggar yesterday. I thought he was going to get completely blown up. He actually gave them a little bit more length than I thought, so the bullpen is going to be in a little bit of better shape. But for the Washington Nationals, we all know about this bullpen. It's in the bottom five of the big leagues with regards to ERA. doesn't matter what you do. It's just not very good, and Sean Doolittle is curling out for them. So for that reason, going to be taking a flyer here on the Miami Marlins and the total over. With regards to the Miami Marlins, I have already locked in the plus 240 price. Meanwhile, with this over, I do think that both these guys are going to give up some runs 
Marlins currently in Wayne Simo. Nationals have been firing at all cylinders on offense, and the Miami Marlins starting to play some very good small ball. 9.57, 9.58 on the bang rotation. You've got the St. Louis Cardinals playing OC Cincinnati Reds. Trevor Bauer goes for the Reds. Dakota Hudson for the St. Louis Cardinals. Drawing this game is ranging between 8.5 and, and 9 on the 8.5s. Over Zeus of minus 120. The under is even. Uh, with the 9s, the under is minus 120. The over is even. The Cardinals are minus 110 favorites across the board in this one, and the Cincinnati Reds are even money. Ever since Trevor Bauer got to the Cincinnati Reds, it has been just a total hot mess. In his five starts, he's got an ERA north of seven. I will say this, his fielding independent is a 425. His fielding independent with Cleveland was right around a 415, and with Cleveland, his ERA was closer to that four range. So you got to think that there's going to be a little bit of positive regression coming in there, but how good is Dakota Hudson been? His fielding independent is above a five. His overall ERA is a 347, but the guy just knows how to win games. He's the best pitcher with regards to ground ball rate in the big leagues among qualifying starters. He's not a guy that's going to get a whole lot of swing and misses, but he has went in his last three starts a combined 18 and two-thirds innings, not giving up a single run, only 13 strikeouts to show for it, but he has been absolutely magnificent in his last 18 starts. The St. Louis Cardinals are 15-3 and as a team in them. And then how about this? The man has given up more than three earned runs in just one start since April 15th. Now he's had a couple of starts where he's given up more than three total runs. Those were as a result of errors, but with regards to earned runs, he's been doing that. He also does give out a little bit more than four walks per nine innings, which you do want to note. And with the Cincinnati Reds, this is a team that, with regards to bullpen ERA, ever since the all-Star break has been in the bottom eight of the big leagues. Meanwhile, the St. Louis Cardinals, number one. But I will say this for the St. Louis Cardinals. You've got a couple guys out there in the outfield that are starting to hit for this team. Phil Irvin and Aristides Aquino are both hitting above a 300. That has been helpful. And then you got a lot of guys on this team that are hitting between a 260 and a 276, I guess you could say. Nick Senzel, Eugenio Suarez. Josh Van Meter, Freddie Galvis, even Joey Votto, and the injured Jesse Winker are all in that neighborhood. And then you've also got Jose Iglesias, who's hitting nearly 300. Tarker Barnard, Sandra Nessar, he's been doing great. He and Jose Peraza hitting between a 230 and 240, but they've certainly been helping out their averages a little bit. Then you take a look at the other side for the St. Louis Cardinals. This is a team that's just littered with a whole bunch of guys, much like the Cincinnati Reds have a similar batting average. Yours is a little bit lower as you've got Dexter Fowler, Paul Goldschmidt, Marcelo Zuna, Paul DeYoung, Yadier Molina, Tyler Edmond, all guys are in between, I would say, a 245 and a 275. They're all just right in that tightly knit neighborhood. And Paul DeYoung and Marcel Zuna both have 24 home runs for the team. Bob Goldschmidt, 29. He had a streak a few weeks ago in which in nine games he had a home run in seven of them. He was very good. And Colt Wong has really emerged for this team. He's got a 280 batting average. Yadio Munoz, whenever he's out there, and Jose Martinez, a pair of guys that I've not seen at bats recently. They've both been doing a solid job of getting on base, and they need a little bit more out of Harrison Bader and Matt Carpenter. Both these guys in between a 209 and a 219. But all in all, with the St. Louis Cardinals, they've been playing some very good baseball. They've won 12 out of the last 15. This is the best under team with regards to totals when they are at home. Over 60% of the St. Louis Cardinals home games have went under. I think that this is going to be another under, and I think that the St. Louis Cardinals behind Dakota Hudson going to be able to get this win. I think that Trevor Bauer is going to have a better performance here, but I think he's going to give up a couple. So for that reason, going with the Cardinals and the under, a lot of money coming in on the Cincinnati Reds right now. I'm in Wade Seaboat as the Cardinals open up a minus 145 favorite. Meanwhile, the juice is all aboard the under right now. So right now, my determination is whether to take the unjuice 8.5 
or to see if he just gets a little bit more favorable on nine. So holding off, but I'm going to be playing both. 959-960 on the betting rotation. The Colorado Rockies are going to be playing also the Pittsburgh Pirates. Tadio Agrazo goes for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Antonio Sensatella for the Colorado Rockies. Total on this game is 14. Over and under, both at minus 110. If you're looking at the Buccos, you're going to be getting anywhere between plus 110 and plus 115. Meanwhile, if you want to lay with the Colorado Rockies, that is between minus 120 and minus 125. And these are a pair of guys that, let's face it, are not doing very good. Before, it was a fact that, you know what, Antonio Sensatella, he pitches well on the road. He doesn't pitch so well at home. Well, this guy currently has a 6.75 ERA. He hasn't pitched well at home. He hasn't pitched well on the road. I don't think he would pitch very well on planet Venus either. He's given out four and a half walks per nine innings. The first start he had coming off the injured list, he winds up getting five outs, and he gives up six runs, all of which were earned. I will give him this. He's given up right around 1.25 home runs per nine innings with a grazzle. He's giving up a little bit under 1.5 home runs per nine. He does a good job of being able to limit the walks. I will say this. He's given up right around 2.65 walks per nine innings. He certainly doesn't have as good of advanced stats as he does his actual ERA and everything like that. And this is a guy that, over the course of his last five starts, has given up three earned runs or more in four of them. So he certainly has come back to earth a little bit, but has been doing a decent job for this team. I will say with both these teams, the bullpen ever since the All-Star break has been awful. They both rank at the bottom eight with regards to bullpen ERA ever since the All-Star break. And with the Pittsburgh Pirates, this is a team that is really struggling to be able to find power ever since the All-Star break. It has been encouraging to see Josh Bell to be able to get a couple home runs. He's up to 34 for the year, 106 RBI. His batting average is hovering right around a 275 as he, Colin Moran, Jose Ozuna, Melky Cabrera, all in between a 275 and a 290. You then have Jacob Sellings and Adam Frazier in between a 260 and a 270. And then still have a lot of good batting averages on this team. Sterling Marte is hitting a 293. Kevin Newman hitting above a 300. Brian Reynolds like 330. And I will say this for Marte. 23 home runs, 24 stolen bases. That's a pretty good combo. But for the Colorado Rockies, this is a team that scores the most runs per game at home. And it's because they've got a lot of power at the top of the lineup. As Charlie Blackman, 27 home runs. Trevor Story, 28. Nolan Aronoff, 34. And all these guys are in between a 299 and a 316. You then have Daniel Murphy and Tony Walters hanging right around a 280 for this bunch. Then you got a lot of guys are in between a 250 and a 265. Ryan McMahon, Sam Hilliard, who is a call-up. He's filling in for the injured Remy Altapia, Ian Desmond, and Dom Nunez all in that neighborhood as well. So you are getting some good guys that are getting on base for the Colorado Rockies. With that said, this total of 14 just seems a little bit high. I do think that Antonio Zatel is going to give it up, and I'm not too bullish on this Colorado Rockies bullpen. So for that reason, I'm going to be taking the plus price here with the Pittsburgh Pirates, but I just can't see this game getting to 15 between these two, especially with both these offenses, leaving a little bit of something to be desired recently. So Pirates and the under are going to be the play here in Wayne Seymour to try to get more favorable numbers on each. 961-962 on the bank rotation. The Arizona Diamondbacks play LA Dodgers. Tony Gonsolin goes for the Dodgers. Zach Allen goes for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Total on this game is 9. Over Zeus of minus 120. The under is even. If you're looking at the Dodgers, laying anywhere between minus 135 and minus 145, your plus price here on the D-backs, anywhere between plus 120 and plus 130. I don't understand why Zach Gallon is such a big underdog with the LA Dodgers. This is a team that has been just absolutely dominant at home and on the road. They're still a good team. I am not going to scoff at a team that has a road record of 36 and 29. And the Arizona Diamondbacks, quite frankly, they're above 500 on the road. They're below 500 at home, but their run line performance as an underdog is terrific. 47 and 25 with that regards going into 
Thursday, so they've been doing a great job there. And with the years in the Diamondbacks, they have been in the bottom 10 in the big leagues with regards to home runs per game at home, but you do have some guys that are really starting to pick it up for the team. Christian Walker has 23 home runs. Eduardo Escobar and Catella Marte both have either 28 or 29 apiece as well. And then you've got a whole lot of guys on this team hitting between, I would say, a 250 and a 266. Adam Jones is hitting a 272 as well, so he's excluded from this. But Nick Ahmad, Carson Kelly, Christian Walker, Eduardo Escobar, and Tim LaCastro, along with Gerard Dyson, who's sitting just below that, all in that neighborhood. And Gerard Dyson, one of the top eight Steelers out there in the big leagues. You've also got Wilmer Flores hitting a 316. David Peralta's been in and out of the lineup of whenever he's in it. He's hitting right around a 275. So you've got a lot of good consistent bats for the Sears and the Diamondbacks team. Meanwhile, for the Dodgers, you do have the Mashers on this team, and the biggest of all is Cody Bellinger. It's been a little bit of a slump as he's seen his batting average and I air quotes here, dipped to 308, and he's only got 42 home runs at 100 RBI. Oh no, what will you do there? Max Muncy wound up getting the day off yesterday, but he's got 33 home runs. His batting average hovering right around 255. You've got Matt Beattie and Justin Turner down for what? Along with Will Smith hitting between a 293 and a 305. And with Will Smith, he has been a legend just like his movie. He's getting a home run every eight at-bats. He has been the fresher prince of Los Angeles. And then you've got Kike Hernandez. He's been hitting a 250 for the year, but ever since coming off the injured list, he's been terrific. Jack Peterson has 27 home runs, but his batting average is a 235. He's had his struggles ever since the All-Star break. That has been noted. And then Chris Taylor and Corey Seager are a pair of guys earning between a 260 and a 270. Throw A.J. Pollock in there as well. And with the Dodgers, you actually do have a decent bullpen. I know a lot of people have red flags about Kenley Jansen and everything like that, but Casey Sadler and guys like that have actually been decent. But I do think that in this spot, Zach Allen is going to be able to give the better start. You take a look at what Zach Allen has done. His win-loss record is not indicative of how good he's been. 2-4 record. 2.56 ERA has not allowed more than three earned runs in his start. His strikeout rate is right around 11 per nine innings. He's giving up 0.8 home runs per nine. The walks are high. He's given up nearly five walks per nine innings, but he all in all has been solid. Meanwhile, with Mr. Gonsolin, this is a guy that's not going to give you really any more than five innings, but in his starts, he's been solid. 2-1 record, 2.74 ERA. This is a guy that's not going to get a whole lot of swings and misses. Right around seven and a half strikeouts per nine, but he's given up less than a home run per nine innings, and the command is terrific. Right around one and a half walks per nine innings. I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game, but I do think that the Diamondbacks do have a little bit more balance in their lineup, and I do give them the edge with regards to starting pitching. So for that reason, take the plus right here with the Diamondbacks and the under. Currently, Wayne Simo to try to see if I'm able to get a little bit more favorable numbers on each. Money is coming in right now on the over and the Dodgers, so in Wayne Simo there. 963-964 on the bank rotation. The San Francisco Giants. Playo C. San Diego Padres. Denelson Lomac goes for the Padres. Madison Bumgarner for the San Francisco Giants. Total on this game is 7.5. Under is just anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even minus 105. If you're looking at the Giants, laying anywhere between minus 128 and minus 132. Meanwhile, the plus price on the pods is anywhere between plus 118 and plus 122. I must say, at the beginning of the year, I was really fading Denelson Lomac. He's actually grown on me a little bit. This is a guy that certainly has great swing and miss stuff. He's been doing a better job with this command recently. 2-2 two two record, 430 ERA. In 46 innings, he's given up 6 home runs. That's right around 1.2 per 9 innings. Walks are still a little bit high, but he certainly does a great job of being able to get strikeouts. Right now, he's getting right around 11.8 per 9 innings. Meanwhile, Madison Bumgarner certainly is better than an 8-8 eight eight record with a 371 ERA. Though I will say, he has given up a couple runs recently. In 4 out of his last 7 starts, he's given up 3+. plus. But you know that he's going to give you length in each of his 
last three starts. He has won seven plus, which is big because the San Francisco Giants about two weeks ago had the second best bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues, but they are really feeling the sting of selling off guys like Mark Melanson and Sam Dyson about a month ago. That has certainly been a little bit of an issue. And for the San Diego Padres, this is a team that they've been playing a little bit of musical chairs at the leadoff spot ever since Fernando Tatis Jr. went out for the year with his injury and got a lot of guys that need to pick it up with their batting average. Emmanuel Margot hitting right around at 240 for this bunch. Then you got Will Myers, Ty France, Ian Kinsler, Luis Oreas, who is currently out, Ian Kinsler is, but Austin Hedges is in the lineup. All these guys are hitting a 226 or lower. Manny Machado, along with Greg Garcia, are both hitting right around at 265. And in the case of Machado, he's got 27 home runs. You've got Eric Hosmer, who's been doing a great job for this team. 20 home runs, 87 RBI, 285 batting average. And Hunter Renfro is only hitting a 230 himself. He's been out the last couple days, but he's got 31 home runs. I will say that whenever you got Francisco Mejia in the lineup, he's been hitting a 270. And Josh Naylor, it's up to his average to about a 240. And with the San Francisco Giants, you are starting to get some guys that are doing a great job of getting on base. Adam Dickerson, Donovan Solano, both these guys are hitting a 320 or higher. And then you've also got Mike Ustremski, who had a three-home run game a few weeks ago against the Arizona Diamondbacks. He and Evan Longoria have won team 17 times. They're both hitting between a 263 and a 266. Now Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford, both hitting between a 229 and a 235. A little bit of an issue, but you got like the Kevin Pillar's 19 home runs, 260 batting average. Buster Posey's hitting right around a 245. But I do think that the Padres, who do not necessarily have the best bullpen with regards to ERA is actually improving. Their fielding independent for much of the year has been better in the bullpen than their actual ERA. They're starting to finally see that positive regression and you got the best closer in the game in my opinion in Kirby Yates. So this is a interesting spot. I just think that Madison Baumgartner is going to be able to give a little bit more length than Denelson Lamed and I think that this is a spot where both these starting pitchers give up a couple runs and I think that the Giants bullpen gives up a couple but I think that Madison Baumgartner gets such a good start that they're going to be able to pull the out. So for that reason, going to be taking the Giants here and going to be taking this total over. With regards to this over, I'm trying to see if this total actually ticks down to 7. That way I can have a little bit of an easier time with it. I'm also waiting to see if I'm able to get a little bit of a discount on the Giants as well because they actually opened up at minus 155. They quickly went down from there. 965, 966 on the bank rotation. The New York Yankees play also the Oakland A's. Brett Anderson goes for the A's. Meanwhile, CC Sabathia for the New York Yankees. Your total on this game is 11. Under anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is between even and minus 105. If you're looking at the A's, you're going to be getting anywhere between plus 125 and plus 128. If you're looking to lay it with the Yanks, that's anywhere between minus 135 and minus 138. We went through this game with Todd Wishnev in quite a bit of detail, and he is right. CC Sabathia has been a hot mess. This is a guy that's giving up Right around 2.3 to 2.4 home runs per nine innings. The Oakland A's are in the top seven of the big leagues with regards to hitting left-handed pitching with regards to batting average against right-handers. They're in the bottom eight. So this is a huge advantage for the Oakland A's. An Oakland A's team that, oh, by the way, has been pretty good on the road so far this year. 34 and 30 is a record. Now the Yankees dominate at home, 49 and 20. But with that said, the New York Yankees have not won a CC Sabathia start ever since late June. Things have just not been going well for them, to say the least. And in his two starts off the injured list, he has went a combined seven innings, giving up six runs, all of which were earned. He's got 12 strikeouts, whoopty stinking new, but he's not giving the team any length whatsoever. In order to get to guys like Tommy Canely, Zach Britton, Adam Adovino, and company, you need to be able to at least give five innings, and CC Sabathia has not been able to do that. Meanwhile, Brett Anderson has been very good at just being able to keep things out in front of him. He's not going to light the world on fire. He's going to give you right around five and a half strikeouts per nine innings, 
but at the same time, he's not going to have really much of a blow-up start either. He's given up more than four earned runs in two starts really ever since the beginning of the month of May. So he's been doing a solid job there. He gives up right around 1.15 home runs per nine innings. Doesn't walk a whole lot of guys. Meanwhile, CC Sabathia has given out a little bit more than three free passes for nine innings. And with the Oakland A's, you do have a very balanced lineup. You don't necessarily have that one guy that's going to hit for 300 or anything like that. But I will say this. Marcus Simeon and Mark Hanna, both hitting a 277 for this bunch. They have both been very solid. And both have 20-plus home runs. With Marcus Simeon, he's went deep 24 times. Mark Hanna, 23. And then you got the Mets that are doing a great job. Matt Chapman, 30 home runs. He's hitting just above a 260. Matt Olson hitting a little bit above a 260 as well. He's went deep 26 times. Then you've got Robbie Grossman hitting a 250. Chad Pinder more around a 240. But then you've also got a couple guys that you need to pick it up with the Matt Jerickson and Profar. Corbin Joseph and Chris Davis are all hitting a 220 or lower. So that's been a little bit of an issue for this team. But I must say, I've been pleasantly surprised by their young outfielder, Seth Brown. He's hitting a 368 in a very, very small sample size. And then whenever you have Chris Herman out there at the catcher spot, it's really been an issue for the A's. But with the New York Yankees, they've been able to overcome all their injury issues. And a big reason why DJ LeMahieu and Gio Urshela, both these guys have a batting average hovering right around a 330 to a 335. LeMahieu, 89 RBI, 23 home runs. Gio Urshela, more like 18 home runs. And then Glaber Torres hitting just below a 290. He has went deep 33 times. Gary Sanchez has been able to supply some boom as well. His batting average is only right around a 235-ish, but he has got 30 home runs on the year. Aaron Judge is really starting to find it. He's hit four home runs really in the last seven days. His batting average is now hovering right around a 280. Brett Gardner is hitting a 250. He's been doing better ever since a slow start to the year. Mike Ford is starting to pick it up with his bat. He had a couple home runs on their road trip. Cameron Maven is still hitting right around a 290. And then you also have Didi Gregorius, who has been struggling this year, but he's hitting a 265 himself. The Yankees are just getting healthier and healthier by the day. But with that said, it's hard to get healthy whenever you got CC Sabathia on the mound. I think that the Oakland A's are going to hit him, and they're going to hit him hard. I think from there, the Yankees are going to have a decent showing from the bullpen, but I think that the A's are going to get something good out of Brad Anderson. Bullpen of the A's has been shaky recently, but I have my faith in Brad Anderson being able to supply six-plus innings in this one and being able to lead the A's victory. So for that reason, going to be taking the plus price here with Oakland, and I'm going to be taking the total under. With regards to the under, looking to get a little bit more favorable juice, and I'm pretty sure that the money is going to be coming in on the Yankees, so wait and see mode on both of those. We move on to 967-968 on the bag rotation. The Houston Astros set the road to face off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Trent Thornton goes for the Jays. Wade Miley is not in the USA, so he's hoping to have a party in Canada instead, as the total on this game is 10.5. The under is just a minus 120. The over is even. If you're looking at the Astros, you're laying minus $2. Meanwhile, the plus price on the Toronto Blue Jays across the board is plus 180. I guess that Wade Miley was sick of having a party in the USA, and the seven things that he wants is to make the climb to Canada. Yes, we just quoted a whole bunch of Miley Cyrus songs as he is hoping to go through the Toronto Blue Jays line up like a wrecking ball as the Toronto Blue Jays just don't have a lot of batting average right now. They rank in the bottom five of the big leagues with regards to batting average at home so far this year. They are starting right now two guys that have a batting average above a 240, but I will give the Toronto Blue Jays this. They've got a lot of guys that are doing a great job of getting home runs, and the two guys that are hitting above a 240, pretty stinking good. You've got Vlad Guerrero Jr. hitting a 282. He's really been starting to pick it up. And then Boba Shett, 341 batting average. He gets a lot of home runs himself. And then with the guys that 
that aren't hitting a 240 or higher, you're getting a lot of power. Guys like Justin Smoke, Tasker Hernandez, Reginald Gritchick, they all have between 19 and 23 home runs. Gritchick leading the way with his 23. Rowdy Telez has been doing a good job of being able to give some home runs to Brandon Jury, but when these guys are all hitting right around a 225 or lower, it does make it tough. Gritchick is hitting a 236, but man... He is the only guy out of those famine bats that is hitting above a 225. So, needless to say, they need a little bit more consistency. Then you take a look at the flip side for the Houston Astros. You've just got everyone being able to mash for this team. It doesn't matter who they trot out there. Seemingly, everyone in the Houston Astros lineup is hitting for above 300 or higher with a bunch of home runs. I mean, Alex Bregman right now is 33 home runs. Banning average hovering right around a 290. George Springer's hitting a little bit above a 290 as well. His home run count for the year is at 28. Jose Altuve is 20 plus home runs. He's hitting a 300. Michael Brantley and Jordan Alvarez hitting between a 324 and a 334. Jordan Alvarez is getting a home run every 11 and a half at bats. Yuri Gurriel sitting at 310 for this team. You got Robson Chirinos who's picking it up. His batting average is at 237 for the year, but recently he's been much better. I mean, the list goes on and on. They just do a great job of mashing everyone. And I think that this is a spot where Trent Thornton, who actually has had a good start against the Houston Astros earlier this year is just going to get completely pummeled. This is a guy that he's either going to be great or terrible. There's no in-between with him. Three out of his last four starts, he has given up at least three earned runs, so that has certainly been an issue for him. And with Wade Miley, this is a guy that is doing a great job of being able to strand runners. That's why his fielding independent is better than his ERA of a 3-1-3. And with Wade Miley, this is a guy that has been hit around a little bit more in the month of August. He has given up three earned runs or more in two out of his last three starts. He has not went past the sixth inning really this month, so he's not providing the best of length. And with the Astros bullpen, has been a little bit shaky, so I do see a little bit of a higher scoring game, but I think that the Astros just pound the tar out of Trent Thornton. So for that reason, going to be taking the Astros on the run line, and I'm going to be taking the total over. Astros run line currently overing between minus 135 and minus 140. I'd like to be able to lay a little bit less juice there. Meanwhile, with the total, looking to see if I'm able to get a 10, but certainly would take an unjuiced 10.5 as well. We move on to a lot of games that are off the board. 969-970 on the bank rotation. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be playing the Cleveland Indians. Shane Bieber fever for the Indians. Meanwhile, with the Tampa Bay Rays, it was to be announced as of a couple minutes ago, but it looks like Austin Pruitt is going to be getting the serve in this one. And this is going to be a massive issue for the Tampa Bay Rays, as this is a team who's bullpen really got expended in that series against the Houston Astros. They were able to get the win yesterday, but all in all, it has not necessarily been the best of times for the Tampa Bay Rays recently, and with Austin Pruitt, this is a guy with an ERA north of five. The last time he went out there, he got completely shelled. Meanwhile, Shane Bieber, he has been taking a couple losses recently, but I do still love how he's pitching. Some of the outs that he gets are very loud. He's given up right around 1.5 home runs per nine innings, but this is a guy that has made Five starts in the month of August. He's won at least six innings in every one of them. And in every one of them, he's gotten at least seven strikeouts. And he's given up approximately two earned runs in every one of them. And heck, his last start in the month of July, he gave up two earned runs. You know what you're getting with Shane Bieber. He's probably going to go seven innings. And he's probably going to give up two runs. He's been excellent in that regard. He's also been doing a great job of getting strikeouts over 11 per nine innings. 
home run rate is a little bit too high. But with Austin Pruitt, this is also a guy that's giving up more like 1.7 home runs per nine innings. You go with that 5.57 ERA guy that I really don't have a whole lot of trust in right now. I will say this for the Tampa Bay Rays. They've got some guys in that lineup that are really doing a good job of hitting right now. Gotta like the fact that Austin Meadows now has 24 home runs for the year. His batting average is hovering right around a 275. And then you've got Tommy Pham, Avi Sale Garcia, who are both hitting a 272. Got a lot of guys hitting between a 245 and a 260 as well. G-Man Choi, Kevin Kiermeyer, William Adamas, Travis Say are no all in that neighborhood. And I know that Kevin Kiermeyer has been missing the last couple days. So for that reason, you've been seeing a couple different players for the C-Base. Aguiar, ever since coming over to the Tampa Bay Rays, has been a little bit better. But he and Matt Duffy both hitting between a 230 and a 237. You do have to like the fact that Eric Sogard is hitting a 300 though as well. But with the Cleveland Indians, they've got a lot of guys that are hitting for a better average as well. You've got Carlos Santana and Francisco Lindor, both hitting between a 291 and a 301. In the case of Mr. Santana, he's got 30 home runs. Francisco Lindor, 25 home runs at the leadoff spot. Got quite a few guys hitting between a 270 and a 285 in Taylor Naquin, Oscar Mercado, just outside of that, Yu Chang at a 267, but then you got Mike Freeman and Jordan Luplo as well hitting in that realm. Kevin Ploiecki, Greg Allen, and Roberto Perez are only below a 230. They leave a little bit of something to be desired, but Perez has 30-plus home runs. You then have Famio Reyes sitting at 244 for the year, but he's got over 30 home runs. You got to like the fact that Yasiel Puig has went deep 24 times. His batting average hovering right around 255 as well. This is now a very fearsome lineup. I do think that the Indians are going to be able to get to Austin Pruitt in this spot, and with the Tampa Bay Rays just being so tired in the bullpen, having to use so many arms recently, I think that this is going to be a easy Cleveland Indians win. I obviously don't have a line on this one, but I'm going to be playing the Cleveland Indians in some form or capacity. Probably going to be taking a look at an over as well, as long as this total is below nine as well. But as always, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRSCORD1 for set plays there. We move on to 971, 972 on the bank rotation. The Detroit Tigers are going to be playing also the Minnesota Twins. Kyle Gibson is going to be going for the Minnesota Twins. It is good old to be determined for the Detroit Tigers, which is why this game is presently off the board. I can tell you right now that Kyle Gibson has not necessarily been great for the Minnesota Twins. He got off to a nice start this year, and he's been pretty profitable, actually. This is all because he has that 12-6 and record, though. You take a look at his other numbers, they're not so impressive. He's getting about a strikeout per nine innings, 449 ERA, and this is a man that has given up three earned runs or more in every one of his last four starts, and for that matter, he wound up giving up three or more earned runs in... Five starts between June 8th and the end of July as well. So this is a guy that is certainly lending himself to some runs. And then you take a look at the flip side for the Detroit Tigers. Though it's not listed on the bang board right now, looks like they are going to be going with Drew Verhagen. The last time you had Drew Verhagen and Kyle Gibson squaring off in a pitching matchup, Drew Verhagen wound up winning that as he wound up going six innings against the Minnesota Twins in that start. Gave up three runs, 11 strikeouts. The Detroit Tigers were able to pick things up and they were able to get the win. And for Drew Verhagen, he actually has been very good ever since getting blown up in his first start. Ever since that first start in which he gave up six runs against the Seattle Mariners, he has given a grand total of six starts. He's given up three earned runs or fewer in every one of them. Now, he's not going to give you great length. He has one pass the fifth inning just once so far, but the Detroit Tigers themselves have actually been doing a pretty good job with their bullpen. The Minnesota Twins starting to pick it up with their bullpen as well, and we all know about the Minnesota Twins. Right now, they are on pace to set a record for most home runs in a season, and it doesn't matter who you have out there. It's just everyone doing it. I mean, you got Luis Torres at the top of the lineup. He's got an on-base percentage of 400. Jorge Polanco, Nelson Cruz, Eddie Rosario, Ahir Adrianza. All these guys are in between a 
280 and a 300. I believe that all these guys have at least 20 home runs, aside from Adrianza, who's just been in and out of the lineup. Nelson Cruz has 33 home runs himself. You take a look at Max Kepler. He's been out the past couple days. He's got 35 home runs. Jake Cave is hitting a 275. CJ Crone has 20-plus home runs. You're getting home runs out of Jonathan Scope all of a sudden. I mean, it's just everyone for this lineup. And then you take a look at the Detroit Tigers. The power is not there, to say the least, the way that it is with the Minnesota Twins. Understatement of the year, Brandon Dixon has a batting average hovering right around a 250. He's got 14 home runs, but you are finally starting to find some guys that are doing a decent job of getting on base. Victor Reyes, Harold Castro, Miguel Cabrera, Travis Demright, and Jordy Mercer all have their batting average above a 265. And in the case of everyone except for Mercer, they're all hitting above a 270 as well. I will note that Miguel Cabrera did wind up getting the day off yesterday. And then some of the guys that, well, they really need to pick it up with their batting average. You got guys like Grayson Griner, Wilson at the catcher spot, Roddy Rodriguez, Darwell Lugo, Castro at the shortstop spot, Jordan Hicks, the list goes on and on. All these guys are hitting below a 230, Gordon Beckham as well, but you are starting to get some guys that are firing all cylinders. Nico Goodrum's been in and out of the lineup, but he's hitting at 250, and I do feel like this is going to be a lower-scoring game. The Detroit Tigers have been doing a great job of being able to play lower-scoring games. This game is going to be played at Detroit as well. Very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark, and if you're going to be giving me something like the Detroit Tigers plus 250 again, I remember the Last time they faced off against the Minnesota Twins at Verhagen was nearly $3. I wound up taking that. If you're giving me $250 or higher, going to be looking at the Tigers. This is more of a tame line like the Twins playing minus 180, minus 185. I'm going to be looking at the run line, but this might be a start where I take a look at the underdog. And if this total is 9 or higher, going to be taking a look at the under as well. Early leans on this one as we don't have a line on this game. So check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRSCORTY1. Game 973-974 on the banger rotation. Finally, one that's on the board as you got the Seattle Mariners hitting the road to face off against the Texas Rangers. Kobe Allard goes for the Rangers. Marco Gonzalez for the Seattle Mariners. Your total on this game is 10.5. Unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The overs anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. If you're looking at the Seattle Mariners, you're going to be getting anywhere between plus 115 and plus 120. Want to lay it with the Texas Rangers. Anywhere between minus 125 and minus 130. The Texas Rangers, a vastly different team home to road. Going into their game on Thursday, this team was 38-27 and 27 at home. Meanwhile, on the road, this team is 15 games below 500. And for the Seattle Mariners, it doesn't matter where they are. Home, road, they're losing at a pretty equally bad clip. Although I will say, the run line performance of the Seattle Mariners as an underdog is actually pretty good. 52 and 43 going into Thursday's action. So they've been doing a solid job there. And for the Texas Rangers and the Seattle Mariners, both these teams have sold off some pieces. Both these teams have been affected by injuries, and they don't have a whole lot of guys that are doing a great job of being able to hit for average or power with the Texas Rangers. Right now, their best power bat is Danny Santana. He actually leads the team with regards to batting average as well. He is hitting right around a 290, and he's got 23 home runs. You do have a little bit of sign of life with some of these guys, though. Willie Calhoun, now has 16 home runs, 288 batting average. Sin Chu Chu has one team 20 times, 270 batting average, but this team is clearly missing Joey Gallo and Noah Mazzara. Then you got a whole lot of guys that do need to pick it up with their batting averages. All these guys are hitting at 230 or lower. Steve Heineman, Isaiah Kinnear Falfa, Jeff Mathis, Tim Fedorowicz, Jose Trevino, Logan Forsyth, Runan Odor, Ronald Guzman, all in that neighborhood. I will say, whenever he had Delano D. Shields Jr. out there, he's hitting at 255, a lot of stolen bases. And for Odor, he's got over 20 home runs, but he's just not doing a good job of hitting for average. Nick Solak, I will say, ever since getting called up from the minors, he's hitting above a 300. That's been a nice sign for the team, but you don't have much else outside of that. Meanwhile, for the Seattle Mariners, 
You are getting some good performance out of Austin Noll. He's sitting just below a 300. Omar Nevias and Thomas Murphy both been terrific at the catcher spot. They have a combined 35 home runs. Both these guys are running a 280 plus. And Kyle Seeger, the past couple weeks have been tremendous for him. He's got like 10 home runs over the course of the last 15 days or something like that. He has been tremendous. So he is starting to fire on all cylinders. You also have two great speedsters in Malik Smith and D. Gordon. Smith leads the league in regards to stolen bases with a 230 batting average. Meanwhile, D. Gordon has right around a 275 batting average, but he doesn't walk the same way Malik Smith does. And I will say for the Seattle Mariners, got a lot of guys that do need to pick it up with the batting average. Ryan Court, Mac Williamson, Dylan Moore, Jeff Fraley, Daniel Vogelback, all guys are in a 215 or lower. But I will say for Vogelback, his on-base percentage is 130 points higher than his batting average. He's got 28 home runs as well. And J.P. Crawford's hitting at 245, but all in all, this is a Seattle Mariners team that is not hitting the best right now, but they do have a bullpen that is improving. Now, they did have to dip into the bullpen quite a bit recently, but all in all, they're doing a decent job. For the Texas Rangers, they've been playing a lot of unders themselves. I believe they have played just eight overs in the entire month of August, so for that reason, we are going to be looking at this total under, and I really do like the way that Marco Gonzalez has been pitching. He's the one starter of the Seattle Mariners that you can really hang your hat on because he's given up less than a home run per nine innings. His record right now is 14 and 10, 417 ERA. He's had a couple blow up starts that has really expanded upon that because he's really given up more than three earned runs in just two starts ever since the beginning of the month of June. In that first start in the month of June, he wound up giving up 10 runs to the LA Angels, and needless to say, that was a bullpen boost. That was a ERA booster. And for Colby Allard, he's done a great job of being able to limit the long ball. In 21 and a third innings, he's given up just one home run. The eight walks are dead, but he's given up right around 3.3 walks per nine innings as a result, but in his last start against the White Sox, six and a third scoreless innings. Start before that was by far his worst. He gave up six runs in Five innings against the LA Angels. I think he's sort of a pitcher that's in between those two results. And I do think that Marco Gonzalez is going to be able to give a little bit of a better start here. So for that reason, we're going to be going with the Seattle Mariners in the spot and the total under. The total began at 11. It's sick down to 10.5. Looking to see if there's a little bit of buyback on the over. If not, I will just take under 10.5 at the minus 110 juice. I'm noticing a little bit of money coming in on the Texas Rangers, so I'm in wait and see mode there. 975-976 on the bag rotation as the off-the-board trend continues as it is going to be the Baltimore Orioles hitting the road face off against the Kansas City Royals. Eric Skogland is going to be going for the Kansas City Royals for the Baltimore Orioles. They have no idea what they're doing, which is why this game is presently off the board. Right now, it looks like for the Baltimore Orioles, it is going to be Jonathan Means, but there is a chance that he might be scratching. In the case of Jonathan Means, if he is the starter for the Baltimore Orioles, this guy has been all over the place recently, and it looks like as a result of a family emergency, he'll either be pitching today or tomorrow. We are a little bit unsure, but with Jonathan Means, in his last few starts, he's been terrific. 12 innings pitch, gives up three runs, all of which were earned, but prior to that, he had given up at least three earned runs in four out of his last five starts, so certainly has been a little bit of an up-and-down pitcher ever since the LSR break. He's given up right around 1.35 home runs per nine innings. Done a good job of limiting the walks, but he too, not much of a swing and miss guy. Meanwhile, with Eric Skoglin, he actually had a really good start against the Cleveland Indians. He went five innings. He gave up two runs. This for a guy that was making his first start of the year. I believe that he had some sort of a PED suspension, which is why he was not on the team earlier in the year. And this is a guy that during the 2018 and 2017 seasons, while well, he was a odd mess, he went and combined 1-8 and eight with the record. He had an ERA north of 5, 
needless to say, not too many redeeming qualities there. I do think that the regression is going to set in. And I do think that this could be a situation where we see a lot of runs scored. As for the Kansas City Royals, they have scored a combined 14 runs over their last two games. And they're starting to get some firepower in this lineup. Nicky Lopez has done a good job of being able to help out his batting average. He's hitting right around 240. Miles Vioria is hitting at 230. Hopefully I'm saying that name correctly, but still have a couple guys that do need to pick it up with the bat. Ryan O'Hearn, Bubba Starlin, Lucas Duda, Nick Dini, Brett Phillips, Umberto Ardega. All guys are in a 2 or 1 or lower. You do have Jorge Soler, Alex Gordon, and Chester Cuthbert in between a 247 and a 259. And Hunter Dozier has been pretty darn good for this team. 23 home runs, 280 batting average. In the case of Soler, he went deep for his 37th home run yesterday. And with Merrifield sitting above a 300. But I think that there is a little bit of something to be desired. Which is why I might be looking at the Baltimore Orioles here. The Orioles and the Royals both have inconsistent bullpens. Both have some of the worst bullpen ERAs out there in the big leagues. But with the Baltimore Orioles, you do have some guys that are starting to fire at all cylinders as you've got Mr. Trey Boom Boom Mancini along with Jonathan VR and Anthony DeSantander only between a 273 and a 288 in the case of Mr. Boom Boom Mancini he and Renato Nunez are really supplying the power of this team 29 home runs for Mancini 28 home runs for Renato Nunez who has his batting average up right around a 250 right now but then with this team you also have the famine bats Chris Davis Chance Sisko Stevie Wilkerson Richie Martin and Jace Peterson are all guys that are in a 225 or lower. You've got Rio Ruiz hitting right around 240, though. I will say that Pedro Severino, ever since coming off the injured list, he has not been good for this team. But TJ Stewart, now hitting right around 260 for this bunch. He's starting to give this team a little bit of something, which is what you like to see. And Hanser Alberto, still hitting well above a 317, and he just owns lefties despite the fact that he doesn't draw a lot of walks. Right now, early lean here, especially if I'm getting Jonathan Means, is going to be to the Baltimore Orioles and probably some form of an over here. This is one of these games in which we need to find out, for one, if Jonathan Means is actually going to be starting. Two, what the heck we're going to get from the bullpen of the Kansas City Royals and everything like that. So obviously, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at Junior score you want for set plays there, but early leans on that game. 977-978 on the main rotation. Here's another game that's off the board in Vegas. You've got Nathan Eovaldi going for the Boston Red Sox, and they are on the road facing off against the LA Angels. And it is going to be Jose Suarez going for the Angels. I am noticing offshore that you're seeing some sides, but you're not seeing totals right now. Offshore, right now, you're seeing the Boston Red Sox as about a minus 135 or so favorite. Meanwhile, the take back on the Angels right around a plus 125. So I think that that's very interesting. And I don't know why we don't have a total. I don't know why there aren't sides posted in Vegas right now. But with that said, I'm probably going to be looking at an over because Nathan Eovaldi has been used in his last couple starts as essentially an opener because he hasn't been able to make it too far for Nathan Eovaldi so far this year. He's got a 1-0 record, but that's not indicative of how he's pitched. 39 in the third innings. He's given up 9 home runs. That's over 2.5 home runs per 9 innings. He's given up 4.5 walks per 9 innings. He's getting right around a strikeout per inning. 6.64 ERA, 1.63 whip. You've actually got a battle of whips above a 1.6. That's Jose Suarez, 171 whip. That would be a pretty good bench for a set of 10, so that's not good. 667 ERA, 2-5 record. This is a man that's given up all sorts of home runs. Nearly 3 home runs per 9 innings. Has 16 home runs and 58 innings is not good. He has been giving out a lot of walks as well. He's given up at least 3 earned runs in every one of his starts ever since July 25th as well. 
He has not given you a lot of length either. He has not went past the fifth inning in a start ever since the beginning of June. And with the LA Angels, they've had a very poopy bullpen. Meanwhile, with the Boston Red Sox, top three bullpen ERA in the month of August so far this year. So that is giving me a big lean to the Boston Red Sox, even though they are probably going to get a whole lot of innings out of this bullpen because with Nathan Eovaldi over his last couple starts, he has not made it past the third inning. Yeah, but what you do have with the Boston Red Sox is a whole lot of redeeming qualities with regards to the middle of the lineup. As you've got Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez, and Xander Bogarts firing in all cylinders. All these guys are in between a 311 and a 326. In the case of J.D. Martinez, he's got 32 home runs. Rafael Devers, he's won team 28 times. And Xander Bogarts, he's doing some yard work as well. 30 home runs for him. Mookie Betts, Andrew Benintendi, Christian Vasquez. I recognize that Benintendi's been hurt recently, but all these guys in between a 280 and a 285. Marco Hernandez and Brock Holt hitting a 320 or higher. Mitch Moreland, ever since coming off the injury list, has been terrific. Scott Travis is even hitting like a 255. I will say that Jackie Bradley Jr. is only a 221, but he's been doing a good job of being able to hit some home runs himself. Then you take a look at the flip side for the LA Angels. This is also a team that's doing a pretty good job of being able to get on base. They were shut out in their series finale against the Texas Rangers, but you do still have that man, Mike Trout, and he has been absolutely terrific. And part of the reason why they were shut out is probably because he was out of that game. He's got over 40 home runs, over 90 RBI, and a batting average that's hovering right around at 300. Joey Atani hitting nearly a 300 as well. And then you got Brian Goodwin and Daniel Fletcher, both hitting between a 283 and a 286. And Dalton Simmons is back in the fold. Since coming off the injury list, he has a great inning, a 270. But you do have Cole Calhoun and Albert Pujols. Two guys are in between a 240 and a 245. They are able to mash as well. Kokaloon has 28 home runs. Albert Pools, 19 home runs, 76 RBI. Then you got the guys that they do need to pick it up with their bag. Kevin Smith saying a 230. And then you got Matt Theus, Max Stassi, Justin Upton, Wilfredo Tovar, and Justin Bohr. If he's even getting at bats for this team, he hasn't been seen in forever. He's become the second coming of Bigfoot. They are all hitting below a 220 for this team. But all in all, this is a spot where I do have to take a look at the Red Sox just because they do have the better overall lineup. They do have a bullpen that's performing really well. The Angels, well, the bullpen has not been going so well. So early leans on this game, if I'm getting that line, is going to be the Boston Red Sox on the run line. And as long as the total is below 11, I'm probably going to be taking it over. But as always, jump back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRS41 for set plays there once we have a set line. And we wrap things up with 979-980 on the bang rotation. The Atlanta Braves play also the Chicago White Sox. Ivan Supernova goes for the Chicago White Sox. Max Freed for the Atlanta Braves. Your total on this game is 9.5. Over to under, both at minus 110. If you're looking to lay it with the Braves, that's anywhere between minus 185 and minus 190. Plus price here with the White Sox is anywhere between plus 170 and plus 175. Ivan Nova has been absolutely terrific recently. The Chicago White Sox are 6-1 in his last seven starts, and in those starts, he's got an ERA that's hovering right around one. He has not allowed more than two earned runs in any one of those starts, and his last start, they did wind up taking the loss, but once again, he gave up two earned runs there. He's done a great job of cutting down on the long ball. Before, this guy was just getting banged around like a pinata. He was giving up so many home runs. He's done a great job of being able to keep himself in check. I will say this, for Max Freed, this is a gentleman that as well, during the months of, I would say, June and into mid-July, he was really giving up the runs as well. But in the month of August, this guy has been actually pretty sensational. He did have a bad start his last time out, giving up five runs in five innings against the New York Mets. But prior to that, he had not allowed more than three earned runs in any of his starts in the month of August. And for that matter, in three out of those four starts, he had allowed one earned run or fewer. It's not necessarily going to give you a whole lot of length. This is a guy that really has not went past the 
sixth inning all year long. So you are going to have to rely upon that Atlanta Braves bullpen for the Chicago White Sox. The bullpen has been a little bit hit or miss, but they use a lot of their bad bullpen arms yesterday, which means that you're going to get more of the guys that you can rely upon, like Aaron Bummer in this contest. And for the Chicago White Sox, getting back Yohan Moncada is big for them. He's hitting a little bit under a 300. He's got over 20 home runs. And then you've got some other guys who are doing a decent job of getting on base as well. James McCann, Lourdes Garcia, Jose Abreu, all guys are in between a 277 and a 287. And in the case of Abreu, this is a man that's got over 100 RBI, 28 home runs. You also have to like the fact that Ryan Goings, John Jay, and Yomer Sanchez are in between a 259 and a 270. Eloy Jimenez is only in a 240, but he's got over 20 home runs himself. Need a little bit more out of guys like Ryan Cordell, Adam Engel, and Wellington Castillo. They're all hitting a 225 or lower. Matt Scully hitting a 226, so he barely avoids that. But I do think that the White Sox have a lot of value here with the way that Ivan Nova has been pitching recently. I think that Max Fried is going to be able to give a good performance. And for the Atlanta Braves, they certainly do have a good lineup of their own. You've got Ozzie Albies at the top of the lineup hitting right around a 290 for this bunch. Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna Jr. have both been terrific as well. In the case of Freddie Freeman, he's got over 100 RBI. He and Ronald Acuna Jr. both have between 36 and 37 home runs apiece. You've got Josh Donaldson who now has 32 dangers. He's hitting a 260. It looks like Dansby Swanson is back in the fold. He's been hitting right around at 260. And then you've got Rafael Ortega's hitting at 270 for this bunch. Francisco Cervelli and Trey Flowers hoping to hold down the fort while Brian McCann is rehabbing from an injury. These two guys along with Adeni Echeverria though, all hitting a 230 or lower. But I will say for Matt Joyce and Charlie Culberson, they're both hitting right around at 281 over there relied upon for bad bats. And Billy Hamilton, ever since coming over to the Atlanta Braves, hitting at 333, one of the best speedsters out there in the big leagues. But I do think that they're going to be held down by a suddenly reborn Ivan Nova. So for that reason, we are going to be going with the plus price here of the White Sox and this total under. Noticing that money is coming in on the over and the Atlanta Braves, so I'm in wait see mode there. And that will wrap things up for the Friday edition of MLB Overtime Betting. We'd like to thank our guest, Todd Wishnev, for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing for this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you ever have a question for the podcast, feel free to tweet it in at GNRSquarty1. Let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. We'll talk to you guys once again. Thank you so much.